0: Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 71 of the Deep South Dharma podcast to be released on Sunday, August 16th, 2020. We are getting back into a more structured way of talking about the Eightfold Path. And um, this week, we're going to be looking at right livelihood on the Eightfold Path. As we get ready to get into that, I want to just make a quick plug. If you are looking for some compassionate action that you can be a part of at this time to help be sure that your fellow humans can have their voices heard, please consider undergoing training to be a poll worker in the next election. Of course, there are many other important means of advocacy going on right now. And if that fits for you, do that. That's wonderful. But being a poll worker, if you are healthy and are willing to uh, be trained and help out with that, you can get with your local election commission and be willing to be there in person on November 3rd, to at least, um, not expedite, facilitate other people being able to have their voices count in this extremely important election. So that is one aspect of um, right livelihood. If you want a way to be of service to others, if you want a way to cut through a sense of isolation, a sense of powerlessness, a sense of apathy. That would be one one of many good ways to do it. All right, on to our topic. Over the last number of weeks, we have gone down some side trails in discussing various aspects of the Dharma that could be practiced sort of under the, or discussed under the general heading of wise action. In returning to our series on the Eightfold Path in a more uh, structured Uh, more typical way, I want to turn our attention now to right livelihood. So just as a quick summary reminder, um, the eightfold path is said to include right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So in previous uh, episodes, We've talked about aspects of right view, intention, speech, and action. And um, I want to share um, that in, this, uh, the, in the analysis of the Eightfold Path, um, given in the Samyutta Nikaya, the Buddha says, and what, monks, is right livelihood? Here, a noble disciple, having abandoned a wrong mode of livelihood, earns his living by a right livelihood. This is called right livelihood. And (laughs) it's pretty, seems pretty brief, pretty straightforward, um, and almost feels, maybe if on first reading, almost feels like, well, why is that, you know, why isn't, why isn't it just sort of lumped in with right action? Right livelihood is certainly lumped in with the branches of the path that are are about ethical behavior, speech and action. But just like right speech is given its own branch, um, so to speak, um, that, that speech is a type of action that is so important that it is given its own branch. I think that it's worth paying attention to the fact that the Buddha gives right livelihood its own branch and doesn't just... Assume that that topic is covered under items like don't lie, don't steal, um, you know, don't kill. So elsewhere in um, in the literature, we get a little more guidance about what the Buddha means about uh, means by wrong mode of livelihood, right? That one who is practicing right livelihood. Um, stays away from work that involves trafficking in weapons, trafficking, trafficking in living beings, uh, both human or animal trafficking in intoxicants and uh, trafficking in poisons. And so, so that, that gives more clarity, more guidance there. And then, in the uh, Mahamangala Sutta, which is uh, Mahamangala refers is uh, the highest blessings, the Sutta on the highest blessings, the story, uh, and I won't read the, the all of the verses, but the story is that um, that in the hour of the night when the Buddha would teach the devas during hours that human beings were typically asleep. The Buddha reserved that time then to allow, um, Davis, but, uh, those not in the human realm to receive training from him. And, um, and many, and, and, you know, we, in the, um, in our modern time, we sort of tend to write off, um, these kind of stories, or at least in the West, as if this is all um, you know, mythology or, or allegorical, that kind of thing. But I, I think that it is useful to just bring into awareness that we know this realm or we, <laughs> we feel like we know, we think we know that this realm we're inhabiting exists. And so why would there not be other realms, right? Just as there are um, sounds uh, and colors that are outside of the range of our hearing and seeing, um, so it is absolutely um, not, not illogical to think that as the Buddha developed and cultivated his mind and heart and awoke fully, that he became able to interact with beings outside of the typical range. So be that as it may, whatever your feelings are about that. The story is that the deva asked the Buddha for teachings on the highest blessings. And so he begins with with some of the just absolute basis of the development of one spiritual development, right, associating with wise people, venerating what is worthy of veneration, you know, beginning with that. Um, but then he pretty soon gets into listing things that have to do with right livelihood, much learning, a craft, a well-trained discipline, and well-spoken speech. This is the highest blessing. Serving one's mother and father, maintaining a wife and children, an honest occupation, this is the highest blessing. Giving and righteous conduct, assistance to relatives, blameless deeds, this is the highest blessing. And he goes on from there, listing other aspects of highest blessings. But part of what these verses highlight for me, when I look at them right now, is that right livelihood is, it is partly about how we make a living. So there's the avoiding harmful modes of making a living, trafficking in weapons, drugs, people, animals, um, but also that there are there are just like there are wholesome, uh, unwholesome and wholesome pleasures, there are also wholesome aspects to livelihood, uh, developing a craft, um, feeling uh, masterful in what you do, that sort of thing. But that right livelihood is not only about how you earn a living, but how you spend your life. And so, um, you know, serving one's relatives um, through an honest occupation, um, assisting, assisting relatives um Using one's time, you know, it feels really important to mention right now when so many people have maybe more time on their hands than they want to have, is that um, the use of that time for the benefit of others is right livelihood. Um, And when, when we... Find ourselves, you know, furloughed from work, laid off, unemployed um, during this time period. We are not cut out of, we are not cut off from the path of practice. We are not cut off from being able to practice right livelihood. Um, If you're dealing with being unemployed right now, right livelihood for you on a particular day may be to do a bit of job searching and to do what you have to do in dealing with the unemployment office, right? If you are not plagued with unemployment right now, part of your uh, practice of right livelihood might be to spend part of your time or your money um, advocating for those who are. Many people right now are using time to do acts of service for others and things like uh, I've seen a lot of um, invitations going around for people who want to support those living in nursing homes right now uh, by becoming a pen pal. And so, you know, this is this is a situation where no money is changing hands, but it is a Definitely a use of time that is of assistance to others allows you to use your, your skill for communication, even the ability to read and write. Those things that maybe you take for granted can become a real gift to people who are uh, feeling very cut off and isolated right now and can help you deal with your own feelings of isolation. I think the only other thing that I want to say about that is, you know, as a society who is dealing with an extended period of time and an uncertain period of time of limited activity, or at least limited activity outside of our homes, um, I've watched two extremes occur. At first, it seemed like everybody I talked to was cleaning out their attic or doing <laughs> doing some really ambitious house projects and part of that part of that was probably due to the fact that I think in the beginning, people thought, well, oh, we'll be home a couple of weeks i'll really I'm gonna take this time to you know knock out these projects and so there was a lot of uh a lot of I almost want to say frenzy, but just a sense of urgency of like, I want to use this time while I've got it. Um, as time dragged on and people sort of started coming down from that high of of um, getting a lot done and maybe even coming out of shock a bit and just coming into the, the uh-oh of recognizing that this is dragging on, It was almost like there was this sort of backlash you started seeing, like in the world of social media and other settings, sort of this backlash against using one's time um, at home for anything productive or using one's time for anything productive right now. It was almost almost like it was sort of cool to um, throw out the idea that, you know, you don't need to feel like you got to do anything productive right now. And what I, as I look at wise livelihood, that has come up for me a lot in, you know, in, in, um, in preparing to share with you today. And what I want to say about that is that I think (laughs) certainly the frenzy of activity that is um, the frenzy of activity that keeps people from being in touch with their feelings of fear and uncertainty um, that frenzy to uh, be getting something done every single moment. That is, you know, one extreme, maybe even might call it a extreme of self mortification. And then in this sort of backlash period, that extreme of, of uh, believing that, oh, you don't need to be doing anything. Well, I mean, do you need to be doing anything to be a worthwhile person? No. But do you need to be doing anything to reduce suffering and have a sense of freedom? Yeah. Yeah. So the fact is, is that if you don't find some way to employ your gifts in whatever, even the ways that might be very seemingly simple to use, such as being a pen pal for somebody in a nursing home or, you know, earlier on, it was like making masks when there was a shortage of masks, people were sewing masks to send to others. So, you know, finding if if you have gifts and talents and skills that maybe you even take for granted because they're so they're so everyday for you, it's really wise to look at how you can employ yourself with those gifts, not necessarily to make money, but to allow yourself to be of service to other people, to feel connected to the whole, um, the whole of society, the whole of other living beings, because, um, it is one of the few ways available to us right now to feel connected. Um, I mean, we're certainly fortunate that we have, have the, the ways that we do have, but, you know, if you get tired of being on zoom and tired of being on your devices, to be able to sit down and pen a letter to someone who is really hungry to receive one is really a lovely way to experience, to just sort of drop into the heart and experience that, that sense of liveliness um, that can come from practicing right livelihood. Well, let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.